This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target and destroy cancer-causing proteins right inside the cell. It's how Dana-Farber is working to treat previously untreatable cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. A new coronavirus subvariant, BA5, is fueling yet another wave of COVID infections across the globe. This week, the CDC said BA5 is now the dominant strain in the U.S., accounting for more than 60 percent of cases. And as William Brangham explains, it is the most transmissible variant to date. Judy, BA5 has proven to be a very wily variant, able to, at times, slip past some of our current defenses, the protections we get from vaccines and from previous infections. This is driving a lot of reinfections, even among people who recently had COVID. According to the CDC, almost 90% of the country lives in an area with high levels of transmission. On top of that, the U.S.'s booster campaign is lagging. Just one in three eligible people have gotten their first, and just one in four have their second. So what does BA5's dominance mean for our ongoing fight against this virus? For that, I am joined again by cardiologist Dr. Eric Topol. He's a professor of molecular medicine and founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. Dr. Topol, great to see you again. Uh, so BA5 is here. Some people have been arguing, well, it doesn't seem to be that deadly and doesn't seem to be driving that many people into the hospital. Is there some comfort to be taken in that? Is that true? It is indeed true, William. The point is we have an immunity wall from all the prior vaccinations and infections and those combinations and boosters. So it isn't having the, the effect that we saw with the first Omicron, BA1. The problem with all the added mutations that the BA5 has on top of what was BA1 and 2 and 212.1, it has more mutations, which basically makes it an escape artist. That is, our immune system doesn't recognize it like we did the previous versions of the virus. And that's why some people who have had BA1 in January, February, are getting BA5 uh, here um, in, in July. So this reinfection is a very significant uh, signature of immune escape. It's the most reinfections we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic because it's the most immune escape of any variant. So what, how should we be approaching this? I know you have been in particular very critical of the way the CDC has been responding to this. What ought we be doing that we're not doing right now? There's a lot we can do more. As was emphasized in the uh, briefing yesterday by the White House team and CDC and NIH, uh, we have to get the boosters way up from where they are. The high-risk people over age 50, only one in four in this country have had a four-shot. And of all Americans, only one in three have had a booster at all, which is ranked 67th in the world, William, below countries like Sri Lanka and Rwanda, Iran. I mean, it's, it's really embarrassing. I mean, we were the ones that... Uh, manufactured, validated these vaccines in record time. And here we are not using this as our protection. And that's also the issues of the CDC about our isolation periods. If anything, 
where they say five days and you're good to go if you don't have symptoms. If anything, with BA5, it may well be extending, but the median infectiousness after uh, COVID is five days, not five days isolation. That's the median. So we are to send people out after five days, the CDC is really ignoring that. Still today, the, the CDC um, counts fully vaccinated as two doses. And for a year now, we've known the importance of boosters, even back to the Delta variant. And it's never been the principal message, a life-saving potential for people uh, at risk, especially uh, by the CDC. Help me understand what we ought to think about this drug Paxlovid. It didn't turn out to be a, a preventative, but it, it did show promise in stopping people who were infected from getting very, very sick. But there have been a lot of subsequent complications about it and slow rollout of the use of that. What do you make of that drug? Well, it's certainly one of the triumphs of the, of the pandemic because it went from designing a new drug uh, to having it validated with almost a 90 percent reduction of hospitalizations and deaths in less than two years. Usually that takes uh, eight, many years. And so it was very high velocity validated. Now, the problem is what wasn't seen in the trials is being seen now is this frequent rebound where people take it for five days, they get much better, and then a couple of days later, it, it starts back up with another, uh, all the symptoms and infectiousness. So the rebound problem is likely tied to the fact that the uh, Omicron variants weren't the ones that were tested when the trials were conducted. And so we don't know right now, should we use longer 10 days instead of five days? So we've got to do better. One last question, and I've traveled a fair amount around the country recently, and almost everywhere we go, despite the fact that we know that this virus is everywhere, it, people have moved on. Masks are, in, are increasingly uncommon. Bars and restaurants are crowded. Airplanes are crowded again. I mean, do you feel like the horse has sort of left the barn and this idea that we need to like this idea of people taking boosters or putting their masks back on, it just feels like the country is not there. You're absolutely right. It's, it's sad because we basically have capitulated to the virus and our fatigue and our trying to will it away, it just doesn't work because the virus continues to evolve. We've never had an ability to contain it. So it's, it's very likely things will get worse because of our unwillingness to try to keep up our guard you either have to go aggressive, which we're not, or you surrender, which unfortunately, largely, we are. All right, Dr. Eric Topol of Scripps Research, always good to see you. Thank you. Thank you.